0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Joshua Predicts the Resurrection, Joshua 5, 13-15. And speaking of the resurrection, speaking of Easter, I've already talked to several of the kids as they come in today. I'm sure most of you have already opened your Easter baskets and got into the candy already, uh, eaten a bunny or two. And I always loved about Easter morning and going to church is awesome, but there was just something about that when I was a kid, that Easter basket and finding the surprise in that, that my parents would would put in the Easter basket. And there were the constants, I don't know if they still even use these, jelly beans, or the jelly beans, and malted eggs, and peeps, they still have peeps, I know there's lots of peeps, I see them, Uh, but the big surprise was that big chocolate something, right? It, it was often the chocolate bunny, you know, that was the big deal. But then as we, you know, got older, as time went, my parents tried to find different things for us. They, they had the chocolate animals that would, instead of a bunny, be a duck or something else. Uh, and then as we got older and liked sports, they would find sporting equipment. There was a Baseball glove or a baseball bat or something else in there. And the chocolate surprise, whatever they surprised us with, was really great because this was before this hollow chocolate stuff, you know. You know, you get it now, it's this big bunny and you break it open and it's hollow, you know. Back then, no, everything was solid milk chocolate. And, uh, it was, it was solid. And, And, and what we would do is we'd start to, it was hard to eat it, so we'd start to gnaw on it. Remember chewing on it, and there'd be teeth marks all over, and little by little it'd shrink down, and about two weeks later it'd be this little piece, and you'd go into depression because you knew it was almost gone. And a lot of you remember what it was like. It's making me hungry even to think about. Anybody have candy? No. Uh, uh, it, actually, when I was working on this and thinking about the bag, I had to reach into my drawer and out a Cadbury Easter egg. But anyway, I won't go there. Um, I had to get my chocolate fix. Well, I have quite a, an Easter surprise for you today from the book of Joshua. Last week we saw how Joshua predicted Palm Sunday and Good Friday, and we brought that out. If you weren't here, make sure you get the the CD or go on the podcast, YouTube. But today we're going to see that Joshua also predicts Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. I know I needed it, and I'm sure we all needed a connection with you this morning. We thank you for bringing each of us here. We know we're not here by an accident, by mistake, that you have a, a purpose for each one of us this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word now to us, through your mercy and grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read the passage here. And as you know, we're actually in Joshua 6, but I'm, I'm backing up here because I purposely skipped a couple of verses. I don't know if anybody noticed that, but I skipped a couple of verses. I saved them for Easter a couple weeks ago. And we're actually in Joshua 6. We'll be back in Joshua 6 uh, in a couple of weeks. But the verses I saved, and you'll see why I saved them, starting with verse 13 of chapter 5. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So, Joshua, first of all, starts, he's this heavenly messenger standing before him. And he asks him a question, Whose side are you on? And he says, neither. And after he says that, he falls face down because he realizes this is a heavenly messenger. And the real question that he puts to Joshua is, the real question isn't, is God on our side? But are we on God's side? And that's an important question as our world and our country teeters on the brink of World War III, right? Right? And, uh, there's so much, you read the news, there's so much going on, and everybody always thinks, well, God's on my side. The real question is, are we on God's side? In fact, Abraham Lincoln, I saved a quote here. During the Civil War, a clergyman wrote Abraham Lincoln saying, President Lincoln, saying, he believed the Lord was on our side. Lincoln responded, I know that the Lord is always on the side of the right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. Some wisdom from President Lincoln. That's the most important question, isn't it? As we see how this messenger responded. Not what do I want. Not what do I think should happen. But the most important thing is what does God want? What is his will for my life? What what does he want? What is his will for our country, for our church? What does he want for my life? What does he want? And it may go against what I want, right? It may go very much against that. It might go against my plans. But we must fall on our face, just like Joshua fell on his face. We must fall on our face and surrender. Or if we don't, we may find ourselves fighting against God himself. We keep talking about that surrender. And if you missed Joshua 6, you know what I'm talking about. But now, on to our Easter surprise. We've already seen many types. We've been preaching through the book of Joshua, and we've seen many types in the book of Joshua. A type is an, is an Old Testament physical picture of a New Testament spiritual reality. Okay, that's a picture. It's an it's a a physical picture of a spiritual reality, something that we see in the Old Testament that's promising and prophetically looking ahead to the New Testament. Many, many different types. Joshua himself is a type of who? Jesus, right? Joshua is Hebrew, Jesus is Greek. It's a, he's 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 a, it's a picture. If you study Joshua, you see a picture of Jesus and what he did for us. Joshua replaced Moses now, not, and not only just replaced him, but he also fulfilled Moses' commission. Moses was called to take the people in the promised land. Didn't happen. We all know why. We've been studying that. But Joshua was called to fulfill taking them to the promised land. Jesus replaced Moses' law. He fulfilled the law. Remember, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it. And he is the one who could take us into the promised land because we couldn't be good enough. We couldn't follow the law. We can't earn our way into heaven. It can only be by faith. It's a step of faith. And that faith is following Joshua into the promised land. And that's what Jesus did. He fulfilled the law and made a way for us. He made a way. That's how Israel crossed the Jordan River. We talked about the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. It was a step of faith. Remember, their toes touched the edge and it opened up. Jordan means what? Judgment. Jordan literally means spreading judgment. And that was a picture of judgment for sin resulting in death. And the people had to follow Joshua through that river of judgment just as we have to follow Jesus Christ through that step of faith. And the ark was central. Remember the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on it? Remember we talked about that? It was key. as that was, that was, That's what was carried into the river and kept the, the, the water from coming back again. And that's what opened the way through was the Ark of the Covenant. And we talked about how Jesus Christ, that represents the work of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. It represents the blood that he shed. That's all represented by the Ark and how Jesus' work on the cross did the same thing to make the way through the river of judgment for us. And it was all by faith from the very first step when their toes touched the edge of the water it was by faith and and then and also then after they took the first step of faith there had to be persevering faith Remember, we talked about the persevering faith staying put in that river with the ark the priest had to wait till the entire group crossed across and and then living by faith it wasn't just We aren't just saved by faith. We have to live by faith afterward. Very, very important. We talked about how going to the promised land and and claiming our promises. The promised land is a picture of us claiming our spiritual promises, defeating the strongholds and the sin in our life and the spiritual enemies that we have so that we can claim the promises that God has given us. But that that takes persevering faith and living by faith. Very, very important. So that's what we've looked at coming up to leading to this story here. And last week, we saw on the day that they crossed the river, the very day that they crossed the river, the miraculous crossing, the water stopped, they went through. What else did they do on that very same day? They picked the lamb. They picked the Passover lamb. On the, and this all happened. The crossing and picking the Passover lamb happened on the 10th day of the first month. That's what the, the Jewish calendar... And what else, what did we see was connected with that? That was Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, the same day that Jesus had this triumphal entry and the people shouted their hosannas, God was presenting his ultimate Passover lamb on that same same day, the 10th day of the first month. And then we saw on the 14th day, we talked about on the 14th day of the month, they celebrated the Passover. Four days later, the, the Israelites celebrated the Passover, and that was the same day as Monday, Thursday, same day that Jesus with his disciples celebrated the Passover and, and communion, same day. And then the next day, what happened? He fulfilled the picture of the Passover. He was sacrificed on the cross. He died on the cross in our place. Just as that Passover lamb was a substitute and the people symbolically put their sins upon its head before they killed it. That's the same picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was the ultimate Passover lamb. He was our substitute. He took our sins, the sins that we couldn't take. We, we couldn't do it. We've all sinned. We all deserve judgment. But Jesus took that judgment on himself on that Good Friday, which now brings us to Easter, to Resurrection Sunday. Now, you're in for a surprise. You're in for a shock here. In the New Testament, Jesus comes back to life on Easter Sunday, right? Resurrection Sunday. He appears and surprises and shocks everybody. Everybody was shocked. They didn't even believe it. Even his own disciples didn't believe it, right? Now, back to Joshua. And Joshua, after crossing the river, which is a picture of the death and resurrection, after crossing that river, after the the Passover, they just celebrated the Passover, which represents the sacrifice of Jesus, as soon as that happens, a surprise visitor shows up. A surprise visitor shows up. You know where we're heading here. Let's uh, let's read it again. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua did so. This man is Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ. This is a picture of the resurrection. It's a picture of the resurrection. It's called a Christophany. A Christophany. An Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And there are many. A pre-incarnate appearance. Jesus wasn't just born in the stable, and that's when he started. No, he was with the Father from all eternity. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit from all eternity. But while waiting to be born someday as the God-Man to die in our place, he still made many appearances in the Old Testament. Christophanies they're called, and each one prepared the minds and hearts, our minds and hearts, for the Son of God's coming. In the flesh. Each one. It's, each one was a glimpse of, what, of who Jesus was going to be and what he was going to do. Each one is a, a little glimpse of that. Uh, another piece of the puzzle of what the, the Messiah was going to look like. It's like the scenic game. You ever play the scenic game? My kids love to play that. You know, and, they, you, and one of the th- parts of the game is you, you, hit, you, you go on and they start showing a, a picture of somebody a character, and a Disney character, whatever games they are, and and all of a sudden, it's real blurry, and all of a sudden, you see a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you can tell who it is, and all the kids shout, that's Pinocchio, whatever it is, right? And they, they finally figure it out. And that is a picture of the Christophanes. The Christophanes a pre-incarnate, appearances of Jesus are like the, the like seen it just giving us a picture of what Jesus was going to be like sometimes he comes as a son of god a son of god in fact Daniel 3 in Daniel chapter 3 it says in Daniel chapter 3 24 I know you guys know where I'm going verse 24 They just threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. He was the son of God. Sometimes so sometimes Jesus appears in the form of a man. Think of Abraham. The pilgrim Abraham, Jesus appeared as a traveler. To the stubborn Jacob, who was always fighting against God, he appeared in the form of a wrestler and battled him until he finally touched his hip and crippled Jacob to show him you don't fight God, you depend on God. He never forgot that. Sometimes Jesus appeared in the form of an angel. It was usually called the angel of the Lord. And context tells us when it was just a regular angel or when it was Jesus. And how we know from this passage here that it was Jesus appearing, giving us a picture of the resurrection, which we'll connect the dots in just a minute, is very clear. First of all, they call him the commander of the army of the Lord. Who is the commander of the army of the Lord? Well, we go to Revelation 19, verse 11. And it tells us very clearly. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he makes judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the second coming. Don't worry, global warming is not going to destroy this planet. Not going to be even a World War III. Jesus is going to come and do it justly at some point. Is God love? You better believe it. We'll talk about that. But God is also just. God is also just. The commander of the armies of heaven. Another clue on who, that this is Jesus is Joshua falls face down and calls him Lord. And what does the guy do? He accepts the worship. He didn't rebuke him like a mere man would have or an angelic messenger would have rebuked him. Back in Revelation 19, an angel is talking to the Apostle John who's writing these down. He says, then the angel said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brother with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. This angel says, don't worship me. But this, this messenger in Joshua didn't say that. He received the worship. All through the Bible, angels and, and divine messengers won't re- accept worship only when it's really the Son of God as a man or the uh, angel of the Lord. Unless it's Jesus Christ. Another proof. Another proof. One more. He says to Joshua, take off your sandals. Take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Guess where we're going next. Yes, Exodus. Exodus. Moses in the burning bush. Now Moses was tending. Exodus 3 verse 1. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So we see all the clues. It's clearly... It's clearly that Jesus is appearing to Joshua here on behalf of his father. Because Jesus is the eternal mediator. There's no co-mediators. Jesus is the only mediator. The only mediator. And he reveals his father's will and gives instructions to Joshua and to to the Israelites for spiritual victory. Just like when Jesus, after his resurrection, he appeared to the apostles, disciples, many other people, 500 at one time, many others, but he appeared to them and he gave them instructions in in the command for spiritual victory, the great commission, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He gave them the, 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 the keys for spiritual victory. Same thing. And the timing here is amazing. The timing here is amazing. Right after the Jordan crossing and the Passover, Jesus appears. Right after. I've already talked about this many times. There are no coincidences in the Bible, right? There, there's no coincidence. It's just, it, this, is, this is an incredible timing. This is another prophetic picture of the resurrection. Immediately following the picture of the death of Jesus, we have a picture of the resurrected Jesus. It's a, it's a, a picture for us. Joshua is all about us. It's all about Jesus fulfilling, fulfilling it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is clearly taught all throughout the scriptures, from Genesis through Revelation. This is just another clue in the scene. It's just another clue. But there are so many clear, clear teachings of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Profe- prophecies, the, uh, prophetic promises of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to read one. Isaiah, book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came. In Isaiah 53... One of the most powerful passages in the scriptures concerning the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb, To the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of of life and be satisfied. That's just one of many, many prophetic passages written by prophets saying what was going to happen to the Messiah, to the Son of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is taught all over the, the, the Bible. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is taught all over creation itself, all over creation itself. It's, it's clearly seen to every person through nature. We here we are in spring. Every time you see a blade of grass that was dead come back to life. Every time you see a tree that lost its leaves and looks dead, sprout blossoms in in new leaves. Every time a flower that had died, but the bulb shoots up a new beautiful flower in the spring. Every one is a prophetic picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not just the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but our own resurrection that we also will come back alive someday. Jesus' resurrection is our resurrection. The new life, it's a picture of our resurrection, the new life that he's promised, and not just a new life, in eternity it is someday, but the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that new life starts. The, the, a brand new life, the promised land that we can claim the promises, the purposes that God has for our life. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is proof that he sacrificed for our sins. That he paid the way, that he made the way to God, that he won the victory over sin, sin, that he won the victory over Satan, that he won the victory over the world, that he won the victory over death itself. Jesus' resurrection is the proof of that. That's why we have hope. That's the proof of that. The resurrection proves it. It's one thing to say it. A lot of religious leaders have said lots of things, but they've never proved it like Jesus has. I got a Christmas card one time. I never forgot it. It said, what's the difference between Buddha-mas, confucius miss, muhammad and Christmas? Easter. That's the difference. Easter. That's how we know for sure that Jesus is the one and only way. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He is the only way. And the resurrection is what gives us hope, a hope that every person here can have, a hope that every person on this planet can have. As Christians, I know a lot of you are already Christians, are we living in that hope? I know there's battles. Are we living in that hope? Are we seeing progressive victory over sin? Are we seeing the strongholds breaking brick by brick? We've all got strongholds, right? Are we seeing them breaking brick by brick? Yes, like pilgrims. You ever read Pilgrim's Progress? What a great book, right? Second most read book in history after the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, like, Like Pilgrim, in Pilgrim's Progress, there are many bumps in the road. There are many setbacks. There are many battles. There are many defeats. There are many wounds and scars. Can we all relate to that? But victory is guaranteed if we persevere. It's promised if we persevere. Are we seeing that progressive victory in our life? That's the hope that Easter gives us, that we're we're going to win. In fact, in Revelation 12, it says this. Back to Revelation. That kept coming to me. Uh, Revelation 12, verse 10, says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the Apostle John talking, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with his, with fury, because he knows that his time is short. We are going to win. This is the end of the story. This is the last chapter of the book. We win. But there's a key, there's there's a key if we persevere. Chapter 13, verse 9 says this. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. We win, but we have to persevere. And there are many, many spiritual battles to fight before we get to the end, of, to the win. But, 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 but we win. And this is meant to motivate us. It's meant to give us hope. That's what the resurrection should do, is, is give us hope that we're going to win. That's the proof that we're going to win, that Jesus came back from the dead. That he says, you're going to be resurrected too. That is the, that's what gives us hope to keep on going, that we know we're going to win. It's meant to motivate us. I, I think of uh, the Super Bowl. There's always a point in the Super Bowl, unless it's a crazy comeback like this year, but typically in the Super Bowl there's a tipping point, right? Where all of a sudden you know who's gonna win. Not only do we know, because all of a sudden one team starts to pull away, but everybody on the field knows who's gonna win that game, typically. Unless it's a great comeback like this year, right? An exciting comeback. Great, depending on who you wanted to win. But anyway, the the but when all of a sudden every player on the team on that field knows who's gonna win, what happens? That close game gets out of control. And the one team has so much momentum and so much excitement and so much adrenaline, they just run over the other team. And all of a sudden, a a 20-10 to game ends up 40-13, to right? Because everybody knows, the the winning team, they know they're going to win. And they play like crazy. And they all want to be in on it. They all want to score a touchdown. They want to sack the quarterback. They want to intercept the ball. They want to do something memorable in that Super Bowl. You know what I'm talking about? And it's wild to watch it happen. But that's the whole point of the resurrection. That's the whole point of this promise and Revelation. Is it's meant to motivate us. To persevere. To keep fighting. To give it our best. To completely depend on God's mercy and grace and to live by faith. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let him accomplish his purpose. Because we want to be in on it. We don't want to just get to heaven by the skin of our teeth. We want to get there, you know... Holding the quarterback's jersey ripped off, you know? We don't want to get there with a the football that we just intercepted. We want to have something to show for it. It's meant to motivate us. Do you have that hope? Maybe here today you're not sure if you're really a Christian. Do you have that hope? Is sin forgiven? Are your sins forgiven? Is Satan defeated? Do you do you fear death? Or do you realize that you, there's no no need to fear death? Can you, do you live with that? And that's, that's something awesome that the resurrection gives us. We don't have to fear death. The, everyone can have that same hope if you take a step of faith. If we'll follow our Jesus through that, our Joshua, Jesus Christ through that river of judgment, putting our faith in him, putting our faith in what he did on that ark, the mercy seat, the blood he shed on the cross, the body that he gave, we'll, it takes a step of faith. John 3.16, for God So loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 36, got to remember it. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Do you have the hope? The hope of life in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in him? Given your life to him? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to our hearts? Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if you have that hope. You're not sure what would happen if you were to die today and stand before God. You're not sure that you have the, the joy and the peace and the purpose for this life that God wants us to have. But you can have it for sure because of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The word believe there in the Greek doesn't mean just intellectual assent. It means to completely trust in. It's the same word that we have for faith. It means to put your complete faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. You can start a brand new life in Jesus Christ today. You can have God as your heavenly father and experience his loving relationship starting today if you'll put your faith in Jesus. And you can do that right where you're sitting. It's a prayer, a prayer of faith in your heart to God. Just say, God, I put my faith in Jesus, your son. I believe he died on the cross for me. For everything I've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong, I believe he died for me. I repent of that sin. I turn away from that old life. And I give my life to you, God. I surrender my life to you. I want to live out your purpose for my life. If you've prayed that prayer of faith today, something amazing has happened inside of you that you're in for a shock. Just like Joshua was shocked by Jesus appearing, you're in for a shock because Jesus is living inside of you. His Holy Spirit is now in you and you've just gone from death to life. You were a dead blade of grass and now you're alive. Something amazing has happened inside of you, and I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a friend or family member. Or maybe you want to tell me. Tell me on the way out. Drop a card in the box, with the card from the bulletin, or text, email. Let Let somebody know or let me know because we'll be excited for you and, and want to encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. And it is a new life. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning on this Resurrection Sunday? We know that we've been promised victory, but maybe you have been living in defeat. (laughs) I think we can all relate to that, can't we? But this can be a new start. Maybe our prayer is, God, I want this Resurrection Sunday to be a new start in the battle. whatever it takes I want to claim the promise of a new life in Christ maybe it's just going to take a prayer and a surrender falling on our face but maybe it's going to maybe the strongholds are so strong you're going to need some encouragement, some help are you willing to pray God whatever it takes if I have to talk to Chuck or Kim or if I have to talk to a Christian counselor A Christian brother or sister, maybe it's joining a Bible study, uh, an accountability group, whatever it takes. I commit to moving forward into spiritual victory, into my promised land. Father, I pray that today we would have hope. I know we're going to walk out into more battles. Lord, I pray that we would have hope today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We would have hope. And Lord, I pray that every time we see a green leaf coming out on a tree or a flower coming up or the grass turning green or any sign of spring, Father, that would be a reminder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise that is to us that we can have a new life in Christ every day. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.